podcasting play nobody we're switching it up this week um the tasting menu is going to become i wouldn't say a trial but um it's something you, you want to get out of the way i'll put it that way because you haven't looked yet no nope. finally um you have no idea what's about to hit you <laughs> and um no interview this week because we have too many damn questions to address I know it's because you guys are so charitable. So, uh, in lieu of an interview this week, we'll clear out the uh, the inbox from the uh, on the PAPN charity drive. Bill, do you know what we're stepping into as far as the college football product this week? Vaguely, I put the put together the picks post, um, but I wasn't really. That's just more of a list and copy paste and blah blah blah. It's not necessarily a full on what's going on at twelve o'clock kind of thing. Oh, it's so bad. So bad. Get ready. This is podcast named Play Nobody. It's a college football marriage of numbers and words. That's the robot Bill Connolly at SBN underscore Bill C. Uh, he is the writer of many smart football type book things uh, that you can find on the Amazon.coms and various other places, brick and mortar stores. Um, he invented the S&P Plus analytics system. My name is Stephen Godfrey. I am uh, was kind of a big deal for five minutes on an app that doesn't exist anymore. Um, okay. We're going to do the tasting menu first. It's not going to be tasty. Just diving right in. Just when you're going through this, remember, you're all fiending crackheads in like late April. When the, when the sun comes out, the winter's over, you're like, God, wouldn't it be great to have like a college football Saturday? That's why people go to spring games, right? Yeah. It's like the, uh, oh, what's the drug they give heroin addicts? I can't, <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah. There used to be something else. Then they created fentanyl and that created a, a, a bigger health crisis. This is going. This segment's going fantastic. Yeah, seriously. Well, yeah. I traveled this week. We had some back end issues with scheduling and producers and stuff. So the shows have been late. The shows have been crazy. I'm closing on a major feature that does involve college football. We will be able to work a segment in for sure about college football. Um, spoiler: the Big Twelve. Oh, that? got that. Ooh. But it's not a college football story. Riddle me that, huh? You like that? Um, but I've been just not present. Um, I debated going to the Tennessee-Florida game this weekend. Oh, God, why? Well, okay, one, reasons I can't say, and I'm sorry I'm being so obtuse all the time, but it's just when you're working well, you've on you've already TV, given away that you're writing a big feature on Iowa State volleyball, so, I mean, you might as well just spill the beans here. Damn right. Um, no, I, I, I can't – you don't ever tip your hand on the larger features, especially when there's like journalism me parts involved. You know, you're doing any kind of investigative work. I'm not saying I'm investigating Tennessee and Florida. There's not much. I mean, you know, an autopsy is an autopsy. Um, but I was going to go for like part of a larger thing, but I've got another large thing that's closing. So I can't. And also uh, I'll be totally honest with you. I contacted Tennessee and I was like, Hey, I'm going to come to your game. Um, but I just assumed this is so, so bad to admit on the air that everyone involved sucks so bad that it would be like an 11 a.m. game. <laughs> now, here's the thinking. It's two hours and 35 minutes from my house to Neyland Stadium, and I lose an hour, but then I gain it back if I do it all in one day, okay, because I cross the time zone. So I was thinking 11 a.m. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm old. I'm fine. It's not, you know, the whole reverse thing. If you're listening to this and you're in college or out of college, you're like, oh God, you get up and drive all the way. Yeah, no, no, I'm already up, dude. I got kids and stuff. So I could like get up, get a cup of coffee, go over there, do the game, talk to two or three people that I need to talk to for a thing that I'm doing about a thing and then come home. And then listen to some games on like the tune in app, which is not a sponsor or anything, but it's really not bad because it's all free. If you, if you are driving or in a situation where you're 
moving around on Saturdays. That tune-in app carries most of those games. But then, the like game starts at like six o'clock. Yep. Or well, and so seven Eastern. And it's not the feature game, but you know that you know it's going to drag ass. <laughs> you know it is. Let me tell you how pissed off and we're so disrespected uh, Missouri fans were when they announced that Florida, Tennessee was primetime and Georgia, Missouri was 11 a.m. I personally, as a uh, person who goes to games and then wants to still accomplish other things on Saturday, I love mm-hmm. 11 a.m. kickoffs now because I am old. I know, right? That allows me to get back for primetime. So that's all fine. But yeah. The fans were pissed. And I actually think they kind of have a point because that's, that's crap. That's, that's a terrible – like there's, I mean, I understand Georgia's probably going to win by three touchdowns, but that's still Georgia and Florida, Tennessee is, is crap right now, but whatever. I should have, uh, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. I got to travel again on Sunday. Um, I got to find some, I got to go and I got to turn all my electronics in like, uh, like I'm going to a prison visit because the saints and Falcons are playing and I'm not allowed to consume a saints Falcons game live. It's sort of a rule that I jokingly came up with, and then my wife was like, "No, no, no, no. seriously, give me your phone. Like, <laughs> go, go to a park with the with one of the children." Um, I have not watched a Saints Falcons game live in since I was at one in 2012 or 13. I think it's for the best. I promise. God, yes. Um, okay, so so I'm not gonna go to Tennessee, Florida. So I was like, "Well, that's okay. I get to consume all these games." Um. But do you ever have those like TV shows that you can kind of watch while folding laundry at the same time and still keep up? Well, yeah, I mean, sure. Like my wife will binge on this or that and I'll just kind of listen in the background while I'm working and it's fine. Yeah. You know how like you you get super into a Netflix show because the pilot is this, you know, Oscar caliber directed by David Fincher type experience. And then there's like a great hook and you're like, I want to watch this. And then you get like eight, hours of like c minus plot movement oh yeah the concept is one thing and then actually making it a good show is another a lot of people can nail the concept so you get super you get super into the finale the twist the review you know whatever and then you're into like the first episode but then the rest of it you're like see i could probably clean my office while this is on so this is fold your laundry saturday you ready okay um i really think if you could position a phone or like a small tablet the right way in your yard and your streaming is good enough. You could like get some sort of a yard project done. I don't think you could mow at the same time and watch, but if maybe if you're working on a flower bed, maybe if you have to organize a closet, um, maybe if you're a youth and you are maybe like playing Fortnite, you could, this is a weekend you could play Fortnite and consume at the same time. This has been the most amazing intro to a PAPN we've ever had, by the way. I've had a tough week. Um, all right, you ready? It's not I'm good. I'm just saying it's not good. Uh, tonight, ESPN, Tulsa at Temple at 6.30. That's it. That's the Thursday night. We have laid down Thursday night college football. We have said, no more shall we try and create any kind of interesting product on this evening. No more are we going to use Thursday night as that great pivot point towards the weekend. And take ownership of this wild and wonderful this wild and wonderful sport will set the tone and dictate your weekend. No more. October eleventh, Thursday night, October eleventh, Texas Tech at TCU. Oh, thank God. But I mean, it's a it's just been ass. What terrible NFL game is on tonight? Cleveland versus whoever. Great. Super. Awesome. For moving on to Friday night. 
Um, oh man, I'm actually, I'm scrolling ahead to the future Thursdays and even, even the ones where they thought they might have something like, yeah. uh, next Thursday, the battle of the last two ACC coastal champions or, or whatever, two of the last three, whatever that is, uh, Miami, North Carolina <laughs> looks like total garbage now. Um, nice. let's see, we've got Tulsa at Houston on October 4th, two years ago. That seemed fun. Yeah. That'll be um, a blowout. October 11th, obviously October 18th, we've got Stanford at Arizona state, which, um, I, guess might be i, I mean that's the there's best two, you- two good defenses and two dreadfully inefficient offenses so that's a lot of that's a lot of punting and a couple big plays right there baylor at west virginia on october 25th toledo at western michigan uh and app state at georgia southern on october 25th that mm. a couple years ago was enormous uh mm. yeah just kind of goes on like that things that might have seemed good at some point sure aren't this time bill take a note no, not probably not. Uh, all right, take a note. Um, we need to contact. I always butcher his name. I think it's Ilian Ben. It's I, yeah. I don't know. His initials yeah, yeah. are IVH. Yeah, yeah, yeah. SPN. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the ones who orchestrate this. I want to know why they just laid down on Thursdays. Because I'll be honest, some of those are kind of faux good, and even when they built the schedule out, they were like, "This is fine." But they 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 were never like, "Hey, banger, banger, banger." Right. It didn't happen. I want to know why. Well, and Friday, part of it is, I mean, Thursday night games suck. Like, uh, you know, I remember at Mizzou. They did not. Well, no, no. I mean, the event sucks. Like, going, hosting mean? a Thursday night game sucks. Uh, bad, like, yeah. I thought it was going to be the most amazing thing in the world. Like, for, for years, Missouri fans were hoping for, like, a Thursday night primetime showcase or whatever. And part of it is... Part of it was circumstance. Like the the only two times Missouri's hosted a Thursday night game in the last ten years, it's it's been probably the two rainiest games I've ever been to. So that's certainly part of it. But you have to like close campus early. Uh, the fans just can't get there as easily, especially in a, a, a spot like this where all the fans are two hours away um, in Kansas City or St. Louis. Like it's just kind of sucks. And yeah. So I think over time, the enthusiasm for like saying, "Yeah, we'll do a Thursday night game," not that they have. I mean, I, I realize schools probably don't have the final say on this, uh, but I think just in general, the enthusiasm for a Thursday night game has waned quite a bit. The most fired up I've ever been, or, or the most fired up Thursday night game I've ever been to was a Stanford-Oregon game, It was, and it was in Palo Alto. It was jumping. Um, I, was that a Thursday or a Friday? I don't know. It was a weeknight game, though. It was really good. I've been to a lot of bad ones. I went to college where they wouldn't allow a home game on a Thursday unless it was Thanksgiving. Right. Because of the whole Grove thing. So I never experienced just a random Thursday night game. But I, I think I was in Starkville a couple of times when I was in college. They would do random Thursdays. Like they'd play like Kentucky or somebody. Um, this Friday, as in tomorrow, Bill, is actually pretty good. Yep. So why are all these games on Friday? Why not move <laughs> one of them to Thursday, you dumbasses? Uh, Friday, uh, six o'clock ESPN FAU at UCF. We're going to have to do a tasting. We're going to have to do a taster's choice right here. Yeah. FAU at UCF, 6 PM ESPN. Um, we'll mention your Ivy league game, Harvard at Brown ESPN U 6 PM, yeah. 8 PM, uh, on FS one it's Penn state in Illinois. And then that, I mean, that's not that great. And then ESPN has Washington state at USC. Yeah. I think our expectations are such that, you know, the, it's a low bar here for, Hey, yeah. that's pretty good um no 9 30 9 30 by the way yeah on friday evening central for wazoo and usc so uh to me the clear-cut pick it's also the game everyone across the country can reasonably watch is fau at ucf 
without a doubt. Yeah, it stinks um, that that's on the same time at Harvard Brown. I, I will say, I mean, FAU has started this year like they started last year. Um, like as good as they were, uh, they earned every headline they got. They really didn't become decent until October. Uh, and apparently they have just as many new pieces to break in, and they're, they're just as kind of rickety right now. And that stinks because, I mean, last year's FAU versus last year's UCF would have been tremendous, would have been an a- absolute brawl, especially if it happened in October or November. Um, this year, we'll see. I, we can hope. Um, I mean, either way, either FAU gives us kind of the game we thought they might give us last year or uh, UCF gets to make a little bit of a statement like, hey, that, that murder Spurs thing was fun, guys. Now, remember who's really the class of the G5. They can still yeah. kind of pull one of those. Um, Penn State at Illinois will be marketed to you. This is like a consumer warning. <laughs> it will be marketed to you as going on the road on Friday night in conference play. Watch. Nope. Nope. <laughs> they do seem to be fine. Illinois seems to be totally more, fine. Illinois seems to be a little more competent this year than uh pre, than the last couple of years. Uh they still don't have talent and that's, you know, kind of an issue especially against the Penn State team that as we've learned, if they if it takes them a while to get on top of you and start punching you in the face, they're still going to punch you in the face for a long time. Uh, Illinois is still going to like um eat way too much like bad food before they go to the bar except now instead of throwing up on themselves they'll they will they know well enough to get the window down in the car and then the rest of it you can just hose off so congratulations illinois you're Friday slightly, night on fs1 you're slightly more competent um washington state's gonna beat usc and i'm gonna have to eventually eat some crow about, yeah. the, about washington state falling yeah. off the face of the earth no stranger to controversy Buried in the headlines, they got they got folks resigning their athletic department over sexual misconduct. But uh, I thought um, I thought old Leach was just going to uh, shoot himself in the foot. Now look, here's the thing about Leach: it is September. There are plenty of stupid things that he could do between now and then. Now, usually though, he's he's done his stupid things in September. So this is at the at the very least, this is different. All right. Um, well, maybe maybe he decides to do October this year. Yeah, because he's – I mean, they've looked – you know, they've played the teams ranked number 84 in S&P Plus, 124, and unranked FCS. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, keep that in mind. But they've won by 22, 31, and 35. Uh, and that is definitely not something they've done in previous years. I think – I mean, whether – like, I, I always kind of pushed back when you were talking about uh, his last year or whatever because, you know, he has to lose games first. But I do think that um, bringing in Gardner Minshew from ECU – uh, I'm not going to say it saved his program or anything like that, but it helped a ton because, I mean, he was relatively familiar with wh- what he was walking into. He's completed 71% of his passes. Um, they're not going anywhere. They're, it's still like 10 yards of completion, but they've been really, really efficient in that regard. Um, and my, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say much about their run game. It's fine. But their, their passing game is, is, a, is a little more efficient than it's been at times at this point in the year. Uh, and that's a really good sign. Def- I mean, their defense, they can't stop the run. Um, and eventually that's going to catch up to them. I don't know if it's going to this Friday, however, because USC just doesn't really know how to move the ball right now. It's pretty bad. Don't look ahead, Washington State. Um, yeah, and I mean, USC's played at Stanford and at Texas. So, I mean, yes. I guess we should keep that in mind. Like that, you know, two teams on the road, true freshman quarterback on the road against two teams that have very good, good to very good defenses. Um, Texas and Stanford have problems on the other side of the ball, but that hasn't really mattered. So, I mean, you know, play, play a team that actually gives you some things like Washington State will. Maybe they'll start to figure things out. 
Uh, they're pretty banged up too. Uh, USC is not good. Um, all right, Bill. So the pick there is clearly uh, watching the directional. Sp- I like that they're classics. spaced out. Yeah, I like that they're spaced out though. You can watch most. Uh, you can watch almost all of FAU UCF. You can check in on Penn State Illinois. You can DVR Harvard Brown and watch about the first half before Harvard pulls away. Um, but then once that's over, you can de- you can dip your toe in Wazoo USC, and if it's terrible, just go to bed and get ready for Saturday. Uh, before I move on, happy birthday this week to LSUFootball.net TV schedule. Not you. Yeah. When's your birthday? Yeah, it, was, it was like a week and a half ago. I know, and I told you happy birthday at work. <laughs> I was wishing a website happy birthday. As a robot, you can empathize. Let's go to Saturday. Let's go 11 to 2. Get ready. Steal yourself. <laughs> Steal. I'm serious. Find a household project. Open a tablet. In my case, I'm going to find a tailgate, and then I'm going to be watching one of these games, and I'm going to be leaving when my home team falls down by three touchdowns. Akron at Iowa State, FSN. These are all 11. I'll tell you when it changes. Boston College at Purdue, ESPN2. Buffalo at Rutgers, Big Ten alternate. Georgia at Missouri, ESPN. Kent State at Ole Miss, SEC Network. Minnesota goes to Maryland on the Big Ten Network. That's the main one. The other ones are listed as alternate. ESPN News, okay, is hosting Navy at SMU. Nebraska goes to Michigan on FS1. Nevada goes to Toledo on CBS Sports Network. ABC has Notre Dame going to Wake Forest. And then Ohio goes to Cincinnati on ESPNU, moving to 11-20. Pittsburgh is at North Carolina on that weird ACC regional network thing. Ten minutes later, also on the weirdy the ACC regional. Man, they do need a network just to clear it up. <laughs> uh, Louisville goes to Virginia. These are all very much check your lo- local listing situations. Um, and then that will take us through until 2 o'clock. Um, uh, let, me t- let me tell you a game that will probably be extremely competitive and physical and interesting. Won't be all that pointsy, um, but will be interesting. It's Notre Dame Wake Forest. Um, Notre Dame Dame is legally required to win every game by seven or fewer points this year. Um, And Wake Forest isn't bad. They're not great. They're they're obviously not as good as uh, Boston College, but they're well coached. Uh, They are are considering they've been having to play a freshman quarterback because Kendall Hinton's been uh, suspended. Uh, They've been doing a good job offensively. Uh, they're probably – I mean, Notre Dame's good enough defensively that it's probably not going to matter, but they um, – Wake Forest is not all that much worse than Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt almost beat Notre Dame in South Bend. So that is a game that will be competitive, um, even if it's not the most aesthetically pleasing thing in the world. Derek Mason getting salty with Brian Kelly this week. That was awesome. Brian Kelly was getting salty with him. It was weird. I just got home last night, and I took my kid to school this morning, and national sports talk was all over this morning. And there's this weird thing where there's such a Tennessee, like UT influence, and then everyone else has some of their SEC affiliation that's not Vandy. Everyone hates Notre Dame. So they, they kind of want to run to Vandy's defense, but they also don't like to act like Vandy exists. So it's a very conflicted sort of debate <laughs> going on. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I know if you play an option team annually, you have very strong feelings about cup blocking. Oh. I think talking about specifically was just so trifling. Um, and so, like, you won the game. This was yeah. the opponent you've already played. I don't understand. 
what a str- it was a very strange decision for him to make. Yeah, it, it, it really was. I mean, first of all, you know, we, uh, Alex Kirshner and I a couple of days ago wrote a piece on um, how changing the cut block rule a little bit that you can't do it more than five yards downfield, uh, which seems really arbitrary. Um, like, it got so many just chesty responses from the a lot of UGA fans. No, well, no, uh, the, you know who did it the most. And I mean, I use the word chesty. So that's a giveaway. Miami fans uh, who have to play Georgia tech every year. Um, really? Absolutely. Like, it's just, you know, they had, they had every bad name in the book to share. Uh, they are, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, uh, oh, I can't remember the, the most common word, but basically it's just, it's, it's, it's was football. We'll say was football. Um, Kelly, it, also works. it also works pretty well. And uh, yeah, yeah, and it's worked for years. Um, by the way, the actual quote, since I, I don't want to. Yeah, assume I, I pulled it up because I wanted to read Darren Mason's quote because it's amazing. It's amazing. Brian Kelly, uh, blah, blah, blah. He said that uh, his tight end, uh, Elise Mack, was, quote, getting cut, was getting cut blocked maliciously. And they had blocked in, uh, in parenthetical. So I guess he didn't say that. I think he was just saying getting cut maliciously, the actual quote. Um, it's legal, but it's bad football. It's just bad football, and I have no problem saying it. You know, we're so concerned about frontal cuts. And we get a defensive end chopping him on every play. And he hung in there every play, was digging him out, blocking in line. So, um, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Mason clapped back. Uh, I don't care much about Brian Kelly's comments about football. This is on the SEC teleconference, which kills me because that thing is so stupid and uneventful. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, this happens uh, uh, with Vandy's coach, who is uh, extremely dry personality-wise. Let me say that. Uh, I don't care much about Brian Kelly's comments about football from the holding to the post jobs by Notre Dame. I thought it was bad football on their part, but the best part was what he said. He said, Brian Kelly can take his comments and keep it moving. If he has something personal with me, he can come see me. This is extra funny. If you've ever met or know how um, fit Derek Mason is, Derek Mason <laughs> would whoop his ass. It wouldn't even be close. Reading that now, I mean, everybody's got their own syntax, their own kind of go-to sayings, but I feel like reading that quote, uh, he came close to saying something else. That Brian mm-hmm. Kelly could take his comments, and mm-hmm. I feel like there was, like, in his head, there was a little, like, a sw- a filter that had to go on and say, like, no, 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 don't say that. Say keep it moving instead. So I like envisioning what he wanted to say versus what he actually said. Speaking of keep it moving, let's go to 2 o'clock. That's where goal line starts. It still sucks. What up, podcast? Um, Charlotte at UMass <laughs> on 11. We figured out well, what we that was. Is Notre Dame wait for us to pick? I get I mean, just – Georgia, just Missouri could be fun for a quarter and a half. I will – uh, you know, I'm going to say this. I'll, stu- I'll stump for the old alma mater for you. I actually, of those games, I'm going to watch Georgia-Missouri. I'm really curious what Missouri's offense can do against Georgia's defense since Georgia doesn't believe in giving up any big plays whatsoever this year, which seems problematic. Um, but Missouri – suddenly couldn't stop anybody last week again uh purdue just basically spread everybody out said okay the linebacker is covering that guy and they threw to that guy like 21 times um so i assume opponents i really have nothing after that though i mean (sighs) nebraska michigan i guess Uh, i know it's bad all right so let's notre dame wake forest yeah no i would say i'm gonna watch georgia and missouri and then notre dame wake forest is your other um okay in the two 30 slot on this weird 11 network of Charlotte and UMass. You don't care. You ain't going to watch that. Uh, ABC has Clemson and Georgia Tech. FIU goes to Miami on ESPN2. Kansas goes to Baylor on FS1. Kansas State goes to West Virginia on ESPN. 
NIU goes to Florida State on ESPNU. Texas A&M is at Bama on CBS. Tulane goes to Ohio State on Big Ten Network. Uh, Virginia Tech goes to Old Dominion, CBS Sports Network. Uh, moving on to 3 o'clock, Arizona is at Oregon State on the Pac-12 Network. South Carolina goes to Vandy on the SEC Network. UConn is at Syracuse on ESPN News. And TCU is at Texas. We're now at 3.30. 3.30. TCU is at Texas on Fox. Just I, believe that, I believe that's straight up Fox. Um, let's see. Moving yeah, that's, on that's to – stop. You want to stop there and put and roll the – yeah, we'll roll the 5 p.m. into the evening. Um, there are so, a lot of games here. There are a lot of games here that I want to – I'm very curious about the outcome. I don't want to watch. <laughs> I'm exactly. curious, like, how much Kansas has closed the gap on Baylor, for instance. I don't want to watch that game. I'm right. curious whether Florida State can score 17 points against Northern Illinois. I really don't want to watch that game. Um, so, really, I just – What about A&M and Bama? Them. A&M and Bama. I'm very curious uh, whether they can stay within three touchdowns. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be all that entertaining for about at least two of the four quarters. It, it will be first half. Definitely watch A&M Bama, though. Yeah. I like first I'll, – I'll give you a first quarter guarantee on watching that. How's that? Yeah. First time I've said that this year on Alabama. Will be the first time I've watched Alabama this year. AM is going to be able to get to Tua a little bit and hit him and, and, and get in his face and make him rush his throws a little more. Well, way more than Ole Miss did, obviously. Um, and I'm just, I'm curious what that means exactly. It might mean nothing. It might mean he just throws pressured passes for touchdowns instead. Um, but that's something to watch at least. Clemson at Georgia Tech would have been a pick, but I just, nope, it's not going to happen. Uh, South Carolina Vanderbilt is another game that won't be all that enjoyable, but will have a very interesting outcome because, among yeah. other things, I believe S&P Plus has Vanderbilt winning straight up. Um, I, I mean, I think, honestly, Vanderbilt is – Vanderbilt and Kentucky are good teams. Vanderbilt and Kentucky could very well end up being, like, the second or third best team in this they're division. Yeah, they're clearly better than they were last year. I'm just – like, South Carolina, to me, is kind of a known entity in that, like, definitely not t- – you know, definitely not an amazing team, but a solid, uh, very competent team. And so that makes it a very interesting game against Vanderbilt. Um, South Carolina for me is fun to revisit because people are so quick to hype up that Georgia game. It usually happens early in the year. Georgia's a different beast now. We've beaten this concept to death. But again, I said it after that game. I like everything South Carolina's doing. I'm tentative about this whole offensive philosophy thing. We'll see. He has a habit, you know, but they're they're headed in a lot of great directions in terms of recruiting and program, blah, blah, blah. So this is the game you have to win if you want to stay in the conversation, regardless of how bad Georgia beats you, you know? Right. right. That's another one. Like, um, you go to you- Nashville and you win, a, you, win, you win a game against a good Vanderbilt team. Yeah, and, and I mean, now you're in a situation where that um, if if Georgia is the Death Star, if they are Bama 2, um, then you run the risk of basically starting your season every year, getting your souls devoured in mid-September and having to recover from it. Yeah. Um, and that's kinda, that's kind of interesting in its own right. Now, I mean, we've the, the South Carolina thing is well covered. I'm not nearly as confident in that program overall as you are, uh, but I still, like, I, I trust them playing at a top 40 level, and we'll see if Vanderbilt can match that. That's all I'm saying they are. I just think that I'm confident in their ability to be a perennial top 40 team, and I think he can carve something out underneath Georgia. That's that's the only thing I'm confident in. I never said, like, oh, Muschamp's going to have him competing for the league. I, I don't think that. At least right now, that can be subject to change. Don't hold right. me to anything. Um, uh, my pick, 
Hmm. Maybe TCU at Texas. That one is good for me because I'll probably get home about three or three thirty. Um, that's another curiosity game because you know my theory here all along with Tom Herman, well, and Muschamp actually, since we were just talking about him, is that they're gonna be able to land some big shots. They're gonna play really well as underdogs, but they just can't get themselves up for games when they don't have that extra bit of motivation. But you know that could be a problem. But is that this game or not? Well, that's what I'm saying. In coming weeks against like a Baylor or a Kansas State, that's that could be problematic, especially having to go to Kansas State because that's not something Kansas. That's not a trip Texas has done well anyway, much less as a favorite against a so far underwhelming K State. But they're at home. They just played their first good game of the year, and now they're playing. They're hosting a TCU team that just had to go 60 minutes with Ohio State. So it's a very good opportunity to steal the headlines back. If they win that game, it won't make me any more confident in them going to Kansas State. But it's a chance for them. It's a really nice uh, opportunity for them to kind of build on something when the first two weeks of the year they built on nothing. Uh, all right. Kind of a weird one here. Let's make a stew. First quarter of Texas A&M Alabama, which is a two thirty game, so you're good. You're freed up to then move around a little bit, and then I'm going to recommend one hour later TCU at Texas for maybe the first half, and the rest is going to be a lot of scoreboard watching. That's, yes. that's I mean, I yeah, know there's enough going on here that you can you can talk back and forth, and eventually one will will start to be really interesting. But ugh. yeah, 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 indeed. Um, let's go to five p.m. Uh, Big Nice State goes to BYU. That's on BYU TV, but that is also a streaming. I think that's streaming on ESPN. One of the apps. I don't know if it's Plus or if it's regular. Check your listings. Uh, North Texas goes to Liberty on ESPN Extra. These extra. This is ESPN Plus. They mean no. It's ESPN Three. Right. It's three. They really need to coordinate this stuff better now. Five o'clock, Bill. You ready? I, I don't think I am, but let's go. It's not. It may not be as bad as the afternoon. Uh, McNeese goes to BYU on BYU TV. North Texas goes to Liberty on ESPN Extra, which I think is ESPN Three, which I think is the app. I don't know. Um, Army goes to Oklahoma. This is a pay per view game. Do you know that? Yeah, I think OU does that like once a year. Plus, I mean, just in case Army figures some things out offensively, why would you want your fans to see that unless they paid? People were at, um, on Twitter grousing and asking, like, I thought these were. I thought we don't do pay per view games anymore. They do in the you, Big 12. You do in the Big 12 because Texas has its own network and everyone's third-party rights are completely theirs to mess with. So this is an Oklahoma thing. Um, yes. It kind of sucks for all the Army people too because I don't know how they're – unless it's free on Armed Forces Network or whatever, it's kind of – I don't know. Not great. Six o'clock ESPN, Florida's at Tennessee. Um, Louisiana Tech goes to LSU. Uh, same time, ESPNU. ESPN2 has Mississippi State and Kentucky. North Carolina State goes to Marshall on CBS Sports Network. Um, Texas Tech goes to Oklahoma State on FS1. Moving to 630, Arkansas is at Auburn. Uh, on the SEC Network, Big Ten Network has Michigan State going to Indiana. Let's move to 7 o'clock. Eastern Carolina goes to South Florida on ESPN News. South Alabama goes to Memphis on ESPN Extra, which is, I think, again, streaming app. I don't know. Double check. Uh, Straight Up ABC has Stanford at Oregon at 7. Wisconsin goes to Iowa on Fox at 7.30. We will stop there. Um, not bad. Uh, yeah. It's, not, it's definitely not good, but um, – okay, how do you – how do you formulate a plane? <laughs> so this is almost kind of the opposite as the 2.30 rounds in, in that there will be some potentially appealing and interesting games to watch 
but not a lot of questions to answer. Uh, so we'll watch the end of Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. At at 11.30 p.m., yes. You know how that's going to happen. So you work backwards there. Track the score. Tune in around, like, early fourth quarter. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm interested in Florida and Tennessee for the first quarter. Um, I'm just not. Like, I I really – if one team completely destroys the other one, that's interesting to me. Straight up, Bill, a better game than Florida Tennessee on at the exact same time as Mississippi State. Oh, God, yeah. Kentucky in every way, shape, and form. Yes. And one of the things that's interesting to me about that, too, is uh, Vegas is taking its time coming around to uh, Mississippi State. I, like, I think it started to pick up this week, but I mean, they've been pretty soft from a from a spreads perspective. And, the, and, and Mississippi State's been able to, you know, has very handily beaten the spread so far. Now, this week, has started to close the gap a little bit. Mississippi State's a 10-point favorite. I think S&P Plus, which has loved Mississippi State for a while now, uh, only has them beating Kentucky by 11 because it also likes Kentucky. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if they can kind of keep that distance a little bit. This is uh, easily, um, no, no offense to the Kansas State fans, I know listen to this, but this is easily uh, Mississippi State's best test so far. Uh, no doubt. I mean, Kentucky hasn't lost. Um, okay, so that's the game. Yes. I guess. Uh, other than Stanford, Oregon. Yeah, and Stanford, Oregon. That, that was kind of, as a marquee game, is kind of is, is suspect. Which is unfair because, I mean, they're both undefeated. They've both done what they can. Um, but it, it does we, – we're not to a point yet where, uh, where we see the word Oregon and think, oh, yeah, i got to watch that. We're not back well, to that point yet. And we, know, we know nothing about Oregon. And while Stanford has Bryce Love, they also continue to have one of the least efficient offenses in the country. It's three and out, three and out, three and out, 60-yard bomb, three and out, three and out. Yeah. And so when you've got the defense they do – uh, that doesn't matter as much. Your defense is tremendous. Um, you know, 23 points allowed so far this season, but it, it, it's still not fun. It's not going to be all that appealing to watch unless Oregon, I, I don't know this. I, I think I know what Stanford is at the moment. I'm very, very curious about Oregon still. Um, and we'll find out like they're, they're an extremely aggressive defense that could have a lot of success against Stanford's uh, offense aside from the two or three, like from the two 60 yard gains. Uh, but I still don't know about their offense. Uh, I just don't know. About, I, I mean, we just don't know anything about Oregon. We don't know anything right. as far as level of competition. I think they're pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I think do too. And, and S&P has them pro, uh, projected favorites outright. Um, yeah. But that has more to do with Stanford being extremely inefficient and, and untrustworthy. So um, um, Over on Fox, I mean, Wisconsin and Iowa, that's the division – that was go. That felt like a really big game until Wisconsin lost last week, and so now it's still a very big game division wise. But it doesn't. It, it's not a. It's not top five team coming to Iowa City like we saw a couple times last year too. Uh, that, that turned into really really interesting games. Yeah. Um, so it lost that luster, but with, Iowa still has maybe the best defense in the country and no offense whatsoever, and and we'll see what that means. It's going to be low scoring and everything that we make fun of, but. It also could be dramatic in that way. And it'll end, and uh, despite starting at 7.30, it'll end before Oklahoma State Texas Tech does. At 45 minutes tops. Get you in, get you out, get you on your way. <laughs> Polite Midwestern efficiency. Um, not much of a night slate, Bill. Um, oh, uh, so let's shake that out as Miss- – I really think Mississippi State-Kentucky yeah. is a good game. Um, and then the portion por- – we'll call it portion control. Uh, portions of Florida-Tennessee just for intrigue early – 
then check out Texas Tech, OK State late. Um, man, not a week to stump for a G5 game. Uh, and then, yeah, I would flip I, I would flip between Stanford, Oregon, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Uh, we haven't said anything about Arkansas at Auburn, but I think it's just going to be a That's total – it's an adjustment week for Auburn, and they'll stomp them. So, yep. not much to say. Okay. And, by the way, just as a just for a word, Michigan State, Indiana. Um, Indiana's projected to win uh, by S&P. Indiana no, that's worth, loves that, Indiana. That's, that's worth mentioning. This, this is, is this. all – like when Kevin Wilson was there, he got them to a certain point, and then like a couple of years ago, every single ch- – it was like yep. every single time they had a chance to win one of these games, they figured out how to lose by seven. And then we um, go into the 500 abyss every year, the five right, and seven. This, and, is, this is their yeah. chance to prove that, okay, we've looked good against lesser teams. Now let's look good against – and I mean, Michigan State might not be great, so I don't want to oversell that, I guess. But the bottom line is this is an extremely winnable game for Indiana and an extremely important game for Indiana. Yeah, I totally agree. Maybe Indiana week game day soon. Uh, I'm not go, sure about that, but dude, they would go nuts and blow. I mean, I have no idea what the schedule first looks time, like. Yeah, first time, play. first time appearances for game day are always humongous. Well, and Bloomington's a awesome town, They're and really there's a lot of room for parking and uh, game day trucks. So you know they got that part covered. Wow, salty, Bill. Well, no, um, they're, they're, like, it's that's the one thing I don't like about that football structure is there's gravel everywhere. But uh, you know, it's fine. No, I mean they really. Let's see, what game would that be? They play. If they beat Michigan State, they'll play Rutgers, and then they'll probably get smoked by Ohio State, so probably not. But if, if they manage to look good Where's against Ohio? Oh, wait, Ohio State's in Columbus, isn't it? Yeah, and so then they play Iowa at home. So if they can look respectable against Ohio State, beat no. Iowa, then Penn State comes a week after that. It's October 20th. I assume there's a lot of pretty yeah, good stuff going on. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, you know. If they would have had that, if they would have swapped, like – Penn State and Ohio State, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, all right, evening slate's pretty thin. Uh, it's just small this week. 9-15 Central Air Force goes to Utah State on ESPN2. ESPN has Arizona State at Washington. San Diego uh, – that's at 9-30. Uh, same, at the same time, San Diego State hosts Eastern Michigan on CBS Sports Network. And then uh, your Hawaii game is – I can never pronounce this. Duquesne. 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 Yeah, Duquesne. Nailed it. Uh, that's on Stadium, I believe you can access that on stadium if you're not in Hawaii and then it's a different cable situation if you're actually on the island. So right. um, it b- really doesn't need a tasting menu there. I mean, it's pretty much just watch those handful of games. Um, yeah. Arizona. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll learn a lot about Arizona state. Uh, we, I think we did last week too, but that'll be something. Uh, honestly, I mean, that's a game to watch, but Utah state has looked tremendous this year. Um, well, you kind of uh, knew they were going to come back eventually because I thought, right. I they, mean, I was talking about them like being pretty close for a while, but they still, um, I mean, they almost beat Michigan state, which we know, but the last two weeks against New Mexico state and Tennessee tech, which all disclaimers are appropriate here. And it's New Mexico state and te- Tennessee tech. They've won 133 to 25. That was one. When I did the thing for Athlon on the mountain West coaches, the anonymous thing, they were all like, that's a, that's a pro we know it's going to turn around. We know it's going to just turn continued around. to figure out how to lose close games. They uh, had a really, really bizarre stretch of underperforming and close game losses and injuries and, Meanwhile, even when opposing coaches are like, nah, they're fine, they're fine, they're yeah. fine, and not like, oh, well, we see cracks here. Like, that was that was a Mountain West team you knew was going to come back around. I don't know how far up they go this year, though. Uh, their running backs, uh, they have two junior running backs named Gerald Bright and Darwin Thompson. They've combined to run 51 times for 418 yards. That's not bad. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah, they, uh, this is a good team, and I'm curious what they can do. I, I mean, Air Force is still kind of a mystery to me, but that's a good chance to watch a potentially very good team in Utah State. Okay, non-televised bargain bin time. Uh, yeah, it's pretty thin. Um, 
I'm scrolling. I still don't have one to recommend. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I mean, Mexico State's at UTEP, baby. 6.30 p.m. on ESPN3. How bad is UTEP? New Mexico State has looked like absolute garbage all year, and they're favored in El Paso. UTEP might be one of the worst teams in football. Yes. uh, Right now. That's a year negative one, by the way. That's not a year zero. (laughs) That's a year negative one for Dana Depp. Yeah, it's bad. Um, uh, Rice is at Southern Miss, and that's on ESPN+. Um, bargain bin's tough. This oh, uh, the one that we mentioned because of the paid segment. Texas State goes to UTSA. Yeah. That's on ESPN Plus. Kind of a, a weird anxiety bullish kind of thing going on there. Well, the, the thing to watch there is it's just um, we we got a lot of play from the guys at Underdog Dynasty and a couple a couple fans in that region of Texas. Um, I didn't want to make it out like I said. Whether it should be fired, I just think that you're starting to see what you know. You you kind of know what you are at this point, and there you're running out of chances to redefine that. Um, I'm also always interested in Frank Wilson because I have a lot of history covering um, the work he's done as a position coach and recruiter at all of these different SEC schools. You know, Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. So. Um, they are not having a great year. So they've got to win this game. And Texas State's got to win this game too. So uh, the other one is this. It's a good game. If you have ESPN Plus, Troy goes to ULM. That's That's a legit good game, a fun game to watch. Troy obviously coming off of Nebraska. And then uh, ULM uh, is a good ULM team. So that will be a good, fun, fun belt game to watch. No joke, like not being ironic or anything like that. So, uh, And my weekly Ivy League plug, yes, Harvard Brown is on TV, and that's great. Uh, probably the most interesting game of the bunch is Lehigh at Penn at, at 3 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Oh, sorry, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Bill, um, let's do questions, and we'll close with the paid segment, okay? Yep. All right. Um, where do you want to start on questions? Uh, I got to pull up that website again. Um, you go to Reddit. I will start us with some Twitter. Okay. Um, well, this, this is well, this is low hanging fruit. This is easy. Kind of gets us in the in the vibe here. I'm gonna combo up some questions. Uh, Nick Juskovitz, um, which team gets the G5 bid to the, to the New Year's Six? A 13 and 0 North Texas, or a 12 and 1 UCF or Boise? UCF. I'm gonna mash that with um, Colton asks. If BYU goes nine and three, would they beat out a ten win Boise State for the G five bid? No. I don't think so. I don't think BYU schedule is that deep. Um if I had to rank them right now, G fives. Um still UCF. North Texas second? Are we putting too much into the Arkansas thing? Uh, well, quite possibly. Let's read, read the scenario again. I was looking for questions. Which one? The BYU one? No, I'm just right now. I'm just trying to rank the the, the group. Oh, of five. oh, oh. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. UCF is is at the top right now. There's no question about that. Um, they're at the top now, and uh, you know, conference UCF is terrible, and it is going to drag North Texas down, even in comparison to the like AAC and other G fives. Yeah. So um, it, that hurts for them. And it does, it hurts UCF that once again, their uh, P five game was canceled. But I think because we know how this works, the reputation thing matters and UCF's at the top until it gives the committee a reason to not have them at the top. I definitely think this is the year that 
they won't really screw with UCF the way they have in years past because the sheer volume of coverage and noise that people like us have made. And right. I mean, still won't put them in the playoff, but no, 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 no. I just meant like you won't see them get like completely screwed in that first playoff ranking. They're not, they're not going to the playoff. I'm just meant more like they're, you know, they'll start at 15th instead of 25th in the uh... correct. I mean, honestly, yeah, that's what I meant. Like, <laughs> they, you know, they won't be completely disrespected and I hate to use that word, but I mean, it's true. They, um, they do still have a chance at uh, Pitt, by the way, next week. Um, and we, we know Pitt's propensity for uh, playing important national title-related games, but uh, that is at least a P5 name. They'll get them. They, get, they go at Memphis, and I mean, my numbers adore Memphis right now, so, but that's not going to matter to the committee, obviously. But, no, they should be in okay shape because all that will happen before, I, I believe, before the first playoff rankings come out. So they'll be, they'll be in good shape. If they're undefeated, they'll probably be in the 15 neighborhood. They should probably be in, like, the 9 neighborhood, but they'll yeah. be in, like, the 15. Um, let's see. Brandon Parker. These are just easy questions to fire off. Will Patrick Mahomes' success lessen the stigma NFL teams attached to air raid quarterbacks? No. <laughs> I, well, I think no. what's going to help what's going to help air raid quarterbacks is that term is becoming more and more nebulous. Um, especially, yeah. especially if like what we've said a few times on the show, if Kingsbury doesn't work out at Texas Tech and he goes and does some sort of pro style gig, um, I think the terms are becoming blurrier and blurrier, and that's what's going to help. But why, now, I mean, Mike Leach with his orthodox, I'm going to throw the ball 85 of the time, no matter what stuff. Like that's different. But I, I don't. I think what's going to help with quote unquote area quarterbacks is they're not going to be seen as quote unquote area quarterbacks anymore. Uh, that really doesn't have anything to do with Mahomes, though. Uh, Dill the Trill, did A&M's move to the SEC do major damage to the Arkansas program, or are they just in a temporary position? The timing could be a coincidence, but Arkansas has not been good since A&M's yeah. move in 2012. Okay, well, guys, you can blame A&M, or you can blame Bobby Petrino lying about yes. unfair and getting in a wreck. Context is everything, guys. So. You got to check your own house before you worry about the neighbors. There's a, so there's a couple things here. Um, I could turn this into a 45-minute segment, um, or I could try and answer this in under two minutes. Arkansas has never found an identity in the Southeastern Conference, ever. Um, they can't tell you who their number one rival is. Some will try and tell you it's LSU. See how that's requited. Um, they – were the far west team that almost touched Oklahoma. They were paired with South Carolina's cross division before the expansion with AM and Missouri. They were an oddity in a lot of ways. The people in Little Rock understood this because the people in Little Rock were more southern than they were Texas or Western, like the people in the northwest side of the state. I talked about this before. Arkansas is split in terms of its seat of power. You have the old traditional control that works through the actual state government and the old inherited wealth, and that's in Little Rock and closer to Memphis. And you have the new money where the school, bizarrely, in hindsight, was placed up there, way up there in the Ozarks in Fayetteville, and that's where you have your Walmart money and all the businesses that come in underneath that and Tyson and everything else. And I think it's JBL. I don't know about JBL. It's one of those trucking industries up there as well. So... Arkansas has had a tough time with Arkansas. I don't think that Arkansas should worry that much about A&M because here's the other thing about A&M. You guys are asking these questions within the context of the last 7 to 10 to 14 days of what's going on in college football. A&M is riding high because they barely lost to Clemson and they yeah, and, had its own money. issues of underachieving through the years. Exactly. And they spent a stupid amount of money on a coach. Okay? And bizarrely right now, 
because Willie Taggart's installing a completely new offense and changing everything about the about the program. The fact they literally don't have tackles on their offensive line is somehow his fault and not Jimbo Fisher's. It's very strange right now that like the way that we're looking at all these programs and all of a sudden Jimbo's Jesus Christ because Clemson kind of had Clemson a sleep. did what Clemson does and messed around. Clemson had a, one of those I'm a half asleep farts and I hope my spouse doesn't notice. Like that's essentially what Clemson does twice a year. Like yeah. I'm not quite conscious. I'm going to embarrass myself a little bit. Oh, I'm awake. I'm awake. Okay. Um, this is the, so Clemson is like, uh, you know what, it, it was, it was a quality loss. I was the one who stumped for that. It was totally a quality it looked, loss. Let, A&M has looked good. It's been three games. Let's all slow down, man. They might, they might slash probably will get murdered on Saturday. <laughs> okay. Arkansas lost to North Texas, got their ass whooped. I know y'all are sad and upset about that. But to me, you hired a really good coach that fits a lot of your needs. Six of A&M's last nine remaining games are against top 30 teams in S&P. Yeah, they're going to struggle this year too, guys. Um, Arkansas struggling in a different way. The weird thing about Arkansas right now, Chet, you needed to hire a Texas guy. You need to lean into Texas. You got one. You got a guy. Y'all bitched about the offense, which you should have because he ran a bad offense when he was there. He did. The thing I'm blown away about was – they never became a good defense. They won Remember that? 2014, they were awesome on defense. And, and I wrote this huge piece about, about Bielema and the culture change and post-Petrino and all. Like, the whole thing was we're going to build this amazing defense that's going to that's going to be as powerful and physical as anything in the SEC, and we're going to build an offense that complements that. And they never did it. And not only that, Bill, they're awful now on defense because they left so little. Right, yeah, they were off the last couple of years on defense, and they just hired a coach who, who, who knows offense a hell of a lot better than he knows defense. Um, no, I, still, look, when you kick the guy out, you're still paying for your mistakes after you fire him. It's not that right. – like, your football product is still affected by the guy who no longer works there. In every instance that we're talking about right now, Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher at Florida State, and Brett Bielman in Arkansas. Yeah, and I, like, over time I've come to – the whole like create an identity for yourself uh, yeah. in the SEC. I, over time, I've come to value that less, uh, just because you can win with a lot of different identities. It's just like what 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 can you can you make a good hire? Can you maintain that hire? Can you keep him happy? Can you blah 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 blah? Like it, to me, it's more about infrastructure than than what I, whatever identity really means. Like we could just be we could be talking about two completely different terms. But the bottom line is. Since losing uh, Ken Hatfield in 1989, since he left, like at that point in uh, 1989, uh, they had been on a significant roll. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine top 15 finishes between 75 and 89. So over a 15 year span, they were a top 15 program. Since then, they've hired Jack Crow. They've hired Danny Ford. They've hired Houston Nutt. <clears throat> they've hired Bobby Petrino, which worked out great, um, other than, you know, A, you know, motorcycle wreck, and B, we don't actually know how Bobby Petrino can ever actually maintain a program because he's never had to. Um, hey, real quick, what happened during Bobby Petrino's era at Arkansas? They sucked on defense. They, they, got, they got good. They were good briefly. Um, and so we don't, that's always going to be a, what if we don't know what would have happened in 2012 and beyond had he stayed. Um, but when he left, uh, it was awkward timing and all that, but Arkansas made a boneheaded decision. The interim thing, 
bringing John L. Smith across the country uh, and dropping him in in April or whatever was just dumb. I felt it was dumb at the time. It was dumb. Yeah. Um, they handled that poorly. And then Brett Bielema didn't work. Um, no. It, it's it, – it, it, it was a worth, bad hire. You had an AD in there who was a Michigan man who was an exceptionally good networker. Um, who is exceptionally good at playing the politics of college football. And I'm not, I'm not insulting Jeff Long. These are compliments. Uh, you know, he was the chairman of the, of the selection committee. He's highly visible across the sport nationally. He was not a good fit for Arkansas. I think he's massively overrated myself. Um, I have nothing to, to base that on other than he always seemed to get more praise at Arkansas than I thought he deserved. But, but, but either way, so like, just I, to- well, I, again, I also think he was a calming uh, keep where they came from, how Petrino cut to the core of the issue long came in as this highly, highly cap Michigan man professional right. who was going to calm everything down. And he made a hire for a lot of damn money that didn't fit at all. Flat out. It didn't fit from day one. You looked around and like, okay, he's, we don't know. We didn't know then, and we know now that Brett Bielema was not Wisconsin. That Wisconsin right. is Wisconsin. Right, and at and that Alvarez point, maybe we Wisconsin. didn't. You know, obviously, at that point, we maybe weren't taking the Wisconsin identity seriously enough, and about the the infrastructure that has obviously been built there for them to just put whoever they want in as head coach and have them do really well. But um, man, we can go on. I'm serious. We, yeah. I, I said two minutes, and yeah. we blew past that. Um, no, I know, I know. I just like that's. It is worth diving into why Bielema didn't work. Whether it was just an issue of like he tried to be Bama with top forty recruits instead of top ten rec- or top forty classes instead of top ten classes, but um, it's worth diving into that. The bottom line, though, is like you said at the very beginning, Arkansas is here because of Arkansas, not because of Texas A&M. And it might work out great. Chet, my, Chet Morris hire might look amazing in about two. I still think it was a good hire. Why? Well, I mean, I'm buying so low on that right now, and people are laughing at me. But but just- it's been three games. Three games, y'all. Man, I, I really don't remember a year like this where where we had this much of a panic and, and instant buyer's remorse as, as as widespread as this is right now. Can you? I can't yeah, think of been, anything. It's been impressive. It's been a very weird year. Um, we got to go through some of these a little faster. <laughs> um, uh, Ask PAPN, uh, Kyle, registered voter, Ray. There. Man, y'all's usernames. Uh, who changes jobs or retires first? Kirk Ferentz, Mike Gundy, Gary Patterson, or Nick Saban? Uh, Ch- changes jobs or retires? Or retires first. Mike Gundy could surprise me, but I, I'm still, I've decided to stop speculating about him uh, and just assume that he's at Oklahoma State till he retires, and he's younger than those others, so he's not it. It could still happen, but I doubt it. In um, this, so I don't see movement on any of these fronts. So it's retirement then? No, but, but if I did, if I had to, I would think either, either Kirk Ferentz or Saban retires right. or maybe Gary Patterson finally goes to like, I don't know what job it is because he's been courted so many times. Right, exactly. Like that's what everything I said about Gundy. I'm kind of saying about Patterson too. Like, sure, maybe it happens. I'm just not going to bet on it anymore. I'm not going to yeah. think about it. If I see his name tied to another job, I'm going to assume he had nothing to do with it or he's looking for a raise. That's, I man, I don't know. That's really hard. That's a good question because it was really hard. Um, yeah. Passive voice says Syracuse is a four touchdown favorite over UConn. I have no actual question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim Bob Cooter says uh, Holgo leaves. Why not Jeff Munkin? Um, I'll tell you why not. It would be awesome. Jeff Munkin would kill at that job. And man, that would be fun. But the same 
stupid mush mouth objections would surface just like they did with the Arizona situation. Yeah, yeah no way. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, if uh, I've been, I've been criticized for the pronunciation of this name, which I always thought I was hitting and even make time to respect the man's name and try and hit it. But Ken Niamatanolo. Apparently I'm, I think it's yeah, Lolo. Yeah. I'm saying Nolo instead of Lolo every time because my tongue wants to roll backwards. I've been watching those uh, wired videos about uh, dialects in movies. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I, ungliding and all that. Cause I'm a big fan of accents. There's so many accents in the South that I can recognize. Yeah, and I, I obviously can't say a word about anybody mispronouncing anything. So. Dabo, Sweeney, Dabo. A bunch of us secretly on the Reddit enjoy it when you screw that one up. I don't um, think I do anymore, though. I think it's finally been beaten into me that I say it right, and I don't even ah, notice. Ah, Dabo. Whatever. It's a fake name that came from a two-year-old anyway, so I can say, say it, it. I want. Say it. Still, say uh, it. Stalls a fart on, Re- on, on Reddit. S-T-A-L-S-E-F-A-R-T. Stalls a fart. Someone asked me, why are you doing the Twitter when Bill does the Reddit? Does he prefer what? No, we're just, we're just splitting yeah. them up. Going. Yeah. Um, I appreciated a recent column from Andy Staples that looks at the disparity between the national media's perception of Clay Helton and USC fans' evaluation of him, particularly as it relates to McIlwain's tenure at, at Florida. Salty. So the the premise of or the title of, of Staples' column uh, as oh sorry I just clicked on a on a Sports Illustrated link. This might take a while. Uh, and Clay the Helton podcast. still has time to avoid becoming a victim of USC's recent success. Uh, that's a loaded headline. Yeah, it's very. Um, so anyway, he said, <clears throat> Stalsafort says, uh, it reminded me that uh, Bill was one of the few quote-unquote national writers to explicitly, ad- explicitly address the coaching question in his preview, and it makes me wonder now what his diagnosis is after three straight lackluster USC performances to open the post-Arnold era. Assuming he still has the job at the end of the season, could Helton turn things around by pulling his stoops and hitting the reset button on his staff or do his problems as a head coach run deeper than that? Um. I mean, going from the from that last part first, uh, you know, uh, we don't know. To, I mean, obviously, he could make some changes. Uh, he could have lucked out and had T. T. Martin get the Tennessee head coaching job, uh, and had to bring in a little new influence there. I, I don't like what T. Martin's trying to do. I think they've tried to make things way too complicated. And if you're going with a if you're going with a true freshman quarterback, you have to simplify, and it, it's gone about as kind of I feared it would. But um, no. It, he obviously could, whether he will or not. I, we don't know his loyalty levels. We don't know anything like that. Um, but here's where I do tap the brakes again. It's been three games and you're starting a true freshman quarterback. Uh, if you're better in November, no matter how bad things get in the coming weeks, you play Washington State at home and you're projected to win if by like 0.1 points. You play Arizona, which doesn't seem nearly as terrifying as it did a month ago. Uh, then you get a bye week. You play Colorado at home. If you, if you win that, you're 4-2. and two, and you're fine. You'll lose to, probably lose that out at Utah. You'll lose to somebody else along the way. You'll probably get crushed by Notre Dame. But as long as you show improvement and as long as um, JT Daniels starts to show something, I think he's probably fine. Um, but I still didn't, I didn't love the hire to begin with. And I certainly don't love it now. Um, he's still got a ways, he, he's got a way to turn it into something, but I don't love the hire. That's for damn sure. At possibly. You've mentioned on the past couple podcasts that someone should have taken a year off. While you're not wrong, my mind always jumps to other black coaches talking about a lack of second and third opportunities in the right. past, uh, comma, pressure to remain prominent, dot, 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 thoughts. 
Hmm. And then he follows it up and he says, uh, in general, it'd be wonderful to hear you and Bill talk more, talk more, do more interviews about racial dynamics in college football. It undergirds everything in the sport, but never talked about enough. Um, well, I made a documentary about it. So, yeah. um, I think Kevin Sumlin might be the 1% of the 1% of the 1% that I wouldn't say immune to the fall off. I do think there would have been demand for his services in 2019 or even 2020. Um, It's hard for me to answer this question because I don't, there's some information I don't want to make public um, because I, one, I haven't verified it. And so you got to be careful with the conjecture that just floats around in the, in the gossip circles and stuff. Um, I, I just, uh, I'm just going to reiterate this. Um, There, okay, so what at possibly is is um, positing is correct um, in terms of a theory. Look at Charlie Strong going straight to South Florida. Great example. Also, South Florida, damn good job. Damn good job, full stop. Damn good job for Charlie Strong. Yeah. Um, Florida, you know, tons of Florida experience. SEC footprint. Um, I think I told the story in the podcast one time, but th- when I was doing a profile on Charlie – who's still in Texas, within literally like 90 seconds of meeting him, he was asking, hey, where do you live, Nashville? Oh, wait, where do you live in Nashville? Da, da, da. He was figuring out what high schools I live close to because <laughs> he, he everything was memorized. Every, it could have been – I could have thrown any city in the Southeastern Conference footprint at him. And then I mentioned that my wife had worked at a high school and he started talking about individual players he'd recruited there his entire career. So um, it's a – Charlie's situation was really good. Like it was a fit, just like fit like a glove, you know. Um, someone's situation is compounded by the fact that Arizona is on shaky ground itself. Right. There's a lot going on in that athletic department. We talked about that. You thought, we thought, oh, Kevin Sumlin plus Khalil Tate, right? Hasn't worked out, and that's why we're asking these questions right now. And that's as far as I can take it. I would just like to say that maybe this situation is unique to Kevin <clears throat> Sumlin right. in what we're saying, and not about any of the other dynamics at play but you are not wrong possibly right and there's and there's another um variable here in that like uh, okay so what tended to happen for a long time what tended to happen with black head coaches is they were one it was one of two paths either because they didn't think they were going to be able to get a head coaching job anywhere else they took on a really 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 hard job Dwayne walker at, at new mexico state um uh, English at Eastern Michigan, like they took on really hard jobs because you don't know when you're going to get another opportunity. So you take on those horrible, horrible jobs, really hard jobs, and you fail at them. And chances are, if you fail at them, you're going to end up with some horrible, horrible, like 10 and 50 kind of record and you're done. Um, like Dwayne Walker, let's see, where, where, where's he at right now? He is he, le- he, he has been a, an NFL DBs coach for the last six seasons since leaves in Mexico State. Uh, Ron, and then there's the Ron Prince example where he kills the interview so much that he kind of like skips a few steps. Uh, this, is, this is more rare. Um, but basically, you know, he, he walks into a really tough situation at Kansas State, which maybe this falls into the hard job thing too, having to, having to succeed Bill Snyder. Yeah, uh, but he had been a, a, just a career offensive line coach. He had just moved up to uh, FBS a few or to Power Five a few no FBS a few years earlier. He had been um, uh, what's his name 
Virginia coach outgrows uh, uh, offensive coordinator for a couple of years. Uh, and he made the jump. He, he killed the interview. He had all of his thoughts lined out. Uh, he had no, like, he didn't have massive FBS experience or call or P five experience. He got dumped into a really hard job and he struggled. He didn't bomb by the way. That's the weirdest thing for him. I mean, he went 17 and 20. He didn't go three and 33, yeah. but, um, but he still, he struggled in that job and kind of the way that all played out, he's, you know, he still hasn't gotten another head coaching opportunity. He, he was a yeah. OC one year at Rutgers. He's been just a random kind of assistant head coach, position coach for most of the time uh, the last few years in the NFL. Now he's an offensive analyst at Michigan. Maybe that's a sign that Ron Prince isn't deserving of another head coaching job, or maybe it's just that he took on a weird job when he, before he was ready. Um, Kevin Sumlin has a stellar, stellar resume and could have survived. He had only, he had a decade of head coaching experience. He had Bob Stoops DNA. He had uh, Joe Tiller DNA. He had, uh, he had been at A&M. He'd been at Minnesota. He's been in the power five since 1989. So it is different in that regard. There was no, he took on a hard job and had a terrible record kind of situation. So I don't think the, I don't think the, you don't know if you're going to get another shot thing applies the end. Bill, we got a couple of questions yes. that were um, submitted through the GoFundMe for Kane Ivers Ostis. Um, all that information's up on my Twitter bio. Uh, we're running it again through the end of this week. Um, so I'm not going to do a whole spiel. Go to my Twitter at 38Godfrey. It's the pinned tweet. It's the information. Um, so you can purchase automatic questions and segments uh, through the end of this week before we move on. Um, okay, Ted Greener says, uh, thanks for all you do. Now, thank you, Ted. Uh, quick background. I'm undergrad at WVU, graduate at LSU. Um, Ted, you should be dead. I would be dead. I would have died. Wife, a dog, got a dog sister and a Bama sister too. He's spelling dog D-A-W, which makes me think he's talking about UGA. Is that right? Maybe UW, one or the other. Yeah, definitely not Mississippi State. They go OG. Um, love all college football, including the things that make conferences different, including play style and regional cultural differences. My question why do our SEC brethren insist on being so willfully ignorant about offensive creativity and success? Best example being the Rose Bowl last year in which OU scored 48. Yeah, their D was lacking, but doesn't their O deserve immense credit, at least equal to the praise UGA's D received week in and week out? Shouldn't SEC fans be willing to admit that maybe the Big 12 defenses would rank higher if they faced SEC offenses more often and that SEC defenses would be worse if they faced the Big 12 offenses every week? Um, Ted? Ted, the SEC is never going to admit anything, and they're never going to say that they're wrong about anything. I'm an SEC graduate. They are often insufferable, purposefully myopic, and they they really do hate change. Is that fair to say, Bill? Well, sure. Um, and I do feel the way things played out last year, I do think, I, I do think times have changed a little bit over like five or 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody accepted that Oklahoma's offense was amazing. Um, and so I don't, I think, you know, Roquan Smith making every single play in the second half and, and, and Georgia slowing things down and that obviously got played too. But mm -hmm. I think we're in a, in a situation now where the, where again, the lines have kind of blurred and there isn't necessarily, um, I'm saying all this on the eve of Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, which is going to you know have 150 points and four billion yards. But um, just generally, I, I do think that like the line, the, everything's blurred a little bit, and I think we're the, even the SEC is accepting a little bit that um, that maybe you got to score points. Uh, and Alabama having a potentially top five offense this year is going to further. Uh, a top five offense that throws a lot and doesn't just throw hurl 250 pound running backs behind a 5,000 pound line 
um, I think that's probably going to further break down the walls. Now, I, I, I only marginally live in SEC country. Yes, I live in SEC country, but I do think that even, you know, if you get further, further down into the South, it's at least evolved a little bit. Okay. All right, Bill, last question. Um, and we are going to do, we have one paid segment left, but we're running out of time because we did long on the tasting menu. So we will plug that in, but we'll do that. I promise first segment Tuesday show. And then I think that's the last of the segments that were purchased for the fundraiser. If you want to look, make our lives difficult. Um, if you want to throw $250 at a really, really good cause, uh, we're saving the best one for last. Um, and by the way, thank you for, uh, Jim Francisco. Thank you for your patience. He had the most informed segment that he built out. He also has a really cool story that relates um, to the to the drive for Kane's leukemia treatment. We'll talk about all that, but we want to give it its just due. And Bill and I both have to go run, and also we're running late, and our bosses still love that. So uh, we'll do one more paid for question. So after that, we only have one segment left. It's been purchased for the charity drive. If you want to, if you want to buy a question or buy a segment, do it between now and this weekend. You can go through Sunday and then we're going to cut it off. Okay. Uh, go to Twitter, 38 Godfrey, go to the GoFundMe, all the information's there for Kane's battle with leukemia. And all right, Bill, last question. You yep. ready? Yep. This is from John Ritchie. As one of the only Auburn fans that still roots for Gene Chizik and doesn't currently hate Bill. <laughs> I didn't, sorry. I didn't read that. But hey, I, got, I got some apologies. I think last week. <laughs> Maybe laugh out loud. Last week. Um, I have to ask why you think he, uh, uh, I have to ask why you think he hasn't been able to land a decent job since Auburn. The guy won a national championship. And despite the dumpster fire that was 2012, you could argue that Auburn either overachieved or at least met expectations every other season he was there. Since then, he spent two years at UNC as their DC, which just happened to be Larry Fedora's best seasons. I understand he stepped away from UNC to be with his family, but the cynical side of me wonders if this was the case, would this have been the case if he had a chance at a top job? Just curious as to why you think he hasn't landed a job yet and what type of job you think he would be able to land. I'm personally rooting for him to take over UNC once Fedora gets canned, only for the possibility of a Chiswick-Malzon matchup in 2020. <laughs> um, John, you're the nicest Auburn fan I've ever heard of. Shout out to Josh, maybe. I was about to say, our, our Josh Black's pretty friend. Yeah, he's he's pretty friendly. Um, but even Josh is even Josh as an Auburn fan is has Auburn tendencies to say the least. Yeah. This is uh, this is next level transcendent. I don't know why the Auburn relationship with Gene is the way it is. Um, I can tell you why Gene is not working right now, and that is he is one of the most transformed. Yeah, human beings from the coaching world I have seen um, and just casually spoken with at a couple events um, kicked around the idea of writing something about him once. Um, I don't know how interesting it is now. Uh, there were a couple features that were done. I think AL did one on Chizik just sort of being happy. Yeah. Uh, I think I read two different features, you know, where he's, he's able to interact with his daughter on a daily basis and do stuff. And I remember there was one where like, he's like, okay, I've got to learn Xbox now because this is what my son does. And like, you know, they're, he's making the family functions. He's doing all this stuff. He also seems very comfortable and interesting and happy working a lot of these ESPN segments and shows. The one that jumps out is the film room from the Virginia Tech Florida State game on Labor Day. He kind of ran the room. Mac was sort of like on the other end as sort of the lead OG old man kind of analyst thing. And then Gene was kind of moving the ball around. He was, you know, almost sort of a play-by-play man in that really weird, unique setup. And you could tell Gene was really happy with it. He was interacting with people. Um, I thought it was funny to see him bounce stuff off Hugh Freeze, you know, because those guys um, come from different football philosophies. And, and uh, it was um, 
I think he's just in a good place, John. I really do. Um, I think he might consider going back. Honestly, I think it, I'm going to say this as a father right now. I'm uh, lately. I think a lot about the next 10 years and yep. then the next 15 years. And the reason why is it's like, okay, well, what, what kind of work am I going to be doing? And it's not so much about the money you earn as it is just the, the availability and the time as my sons get to pivotal moments in their life. You know, how much are you going to be working? Are you going to be away? What are you going to be able to do to provide? And everybody worries about money and time and college funds and stuff like that. I, it, it's also the, just the presence, the being there. And Look, man, it's brutal. Dude, it takes a it, you you never really see your family that much. These coaches that um brag about I give Thursday nights off to my coaches. Right. You know what that means? That means after after at least a 12 to 14 hour day, the coaches get to go home at like 7:30 at night instead of 10:30 or 11 and or make 12 a bunch of recruiting calls. Yeah, and and make recruiting calls in the car and then go home and see their family for like wow maybe 90 minutes before the kids got to go to bed. Right. If I got off at seven, I mean, I have, I have littles right now. So if I got off at seven 30, that's bedtime for, well, theory. Um, sometimes it's Lord of the flies around here, but, um, yeah, it's really hard, man. I think he could go back and get a job right now, Bill, but like, I, don't you think he would have been a contender for UCF? Um, probably not just cause I do think they decided here's our style. Here's what we want to be. I think that very much defined their coaching style, but, in, but generally speaking, if he decided if he got the itch again and he might, I mean, I, it, it happens. Like I think he has very much embraced time off and he is, I mean, let's see, he's 56 years old. So he's not, he's got a, a couple more years to decide that he wants to spend another five or 10 years in the business. And if he did, I think he could very, very quickly get a, a power five DC job or at least a high G five uh, coordinator job. And then if that does well, and if he does that well for two years, he can get a head coaching job. So I think you uh, can go straight to a, a head coaching job if you wanted to. It just depends on, again, the, the more time he takes off, I think the harder that would be. Um, I mean, you go low enough, sure. But, like, yeah. you know, if we're talking about, like, UCF level or higher, then probably not. But, no, I mean, I think he – Man's also got that ring. Right. He's and got a ring. He coached – You have a ring as a head coach in the Saban era. He went from 1986 uh, to 2016 with, what, two years off, I guess. He won a lot of games at a lot of different levels. He won a national title. Uh, I mean, we can say, yeah, but Malzahn, Cam Newton, et cetera, but he just, he has a ring uh, and he has the picture of him holding the trophy in the air. So it doesn't really matter whatever. Yeah. Buts you want to put on there. Um, He might just decide that I've, I've coached, I coached for almost three decades. I like being an analyst. I like being home and that's it. You know, Gary, we, we joked about making a writing a piece about like the coaches that actually throw blossom in retirement. He was one. Garrett Pinkle's another man. That dude looks 45 years old. I've seen him around Columbia a couple times. It's crazy. He looks awesome. I saw and, a photo of him on Twitter and it's like, cause I was there at the retirement game. Oh yeah. 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 The BYU game. And I was like, Holy shit. Like, it's just unbelievable. Um, yeah, he's 66 years old. Looks about 45 now. I, I think Gene's just in a phase of his life where, you know, smart with the money. He's living in Auburn, not a high cost living there. He's comfortable with everything. Also, like everyone, this this is hindsight revisionist history, and I am not a fan or alumnus of Auburn. And so maybe I lose maybe I lose perspective. But um everybody oh, that was Malzon's championship. Oh, that was Cam's championship. Bro, he put it together. Yeah. 
He didn't Larry Coker into a, into a national championship. He didn't. I'm sorry. He didn't walk well, in. I also, mean, here's you know what the difference between you know what the difference between me respecting Gene Chizik's opinion and me rolling my eyes at everything Houston Nutt says. Gene Chizik said, "Damn, Gus Malzahn knows what he's doing." Right. Nutt didn't. It, <laughs> look how history reflects. That's fair to say. Like, I, I mean, Houston Nutt's career is in a very different place if he realizes that Gus Malzahn's not an idiot. <laughs> this is a very fair point. All right. We got to get out of here. Um, thanks to everybody. A little bit more of the charity drive. Uh, we'll start digging through these backlog of questions as well. We will see you Sunday night for SMP plus. We, we, we do three shows a week now and we still don't get to everything we want to get to. I mean, look guys, if you, you know, talk to our bosses, we'll just, we'll do it five days a week. Daily. This is our jobs now. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>